G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Well, on a Thursday, we like to check in with Andrew McColl. He's Family Voice Australia State Director for the State of Queensland. Back with us afresh. Hey, Andrew, welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Andrew, a focus on Qantas today. I know listeners will be fascinated uh, assessing the integrity of our national carrier Uh, through a biblical look at integrity in the life of the Old Testament character of Job. Uh, Andrew, where do we start here? Well, there's no real pleasure in looking at someone's struggles, Neil, except that we can hopefully learn from them. And and as a major employer and a flag carrier of Australia overseas, Qantas has been in the news recently, as we know, for some of the wrong reasons. A court recently ruled that it wrongfully sacked hundreds of staff over COVID. Its ticketing policies were really dodgy, such as selling ghost tickets. And the Labor government's relationship with Alan Joyce, the leader of Qantas, seemed rather compromised. Qantas secured protections from its international competitors while the travelling public couldn't access the competitors' cheap affairs. I don't think anybody could say that, that was such a good idea. And uh, and then Qantas pilots passed a vote of no confidence in Mr Goyner, the Qantas chairman, though he got a nice pay rise. And Qantas senior staff seemed reluctant to answer questions at a Senate inquiry recently. And none of this has really helped Qantas's public profile, and I think we can learn from this. And what someone would ask the question, what can we learn, Andrew? Well, my attitude is that whether it's an individual or a company like Qantas or an institution like the church, that what we know, and it's a painful lesson, is that public ethical consistency over time does lead to social and public credibility and social standing, ultimately leading to authority. Well, we might have heard in the news Qantas is being called upon to evacuate Aussies from the Israel war zone. At least two Qantas flights will help citizens leave Israel, taking passages from Tel Aviv to London. Those flights are backed by our government. Um, that means though, there's going to be more disruptions. So people who are upset with the disruptions that have been happening with Qantas, perhaps there's going to be more of those because of uh, this little extra that they are called upon to. I wonder, just before we talk about some of the reasons why we'd be talking about this, Andrew, a thought or two, because uh, here is an opportunity for Qantas to maybe uh, come back from some of the... Uh, the poor reputation and uh, in helping Aussies be evacuated out of a war zone, uh, that's something that could be a very good thing for the brand. Any thoughts here just before we move on? Well, certainly. I mean, when, when we're looking at um, people, I mean, Qantas has airplanes. Guess what? Um, there are people over in the area over there who are in serious need. Hey, let's put put those two together. 
And it would be a great opportunity for Qantas to get their planes in there. Of course, safety first. Uh, it's got to be safe to be actually landing a plane there. And then, well, if they could get Australians out of a dangerous zone and somewhere in the world, either back to Australia, obviously be the, be the ideal, or to a place like London, that gets them out of a dangerous situation. And I, we would expect uh, they wouldn't do that for free, of course, um, and it takes money to fly an aeroplane. But it would be a good opportunity for them to make every effort to get some planes in there and and get some get those Aussies out of a, a, a dangerous position. And those flights are scheduled to start tomorrow, and I know that a lot of our listeners uh, might be prayerful about the success of those and the 12,000 Aussies that uh, need to be evacuated out of Israel. Hey, when we're talking about public ethical consistency, as you mentioned, uh, social and public credibility and you know, Qantas suffering in these areas. Why is this relevant today? And we might be talking about Qantas, but this, I guess, relates to uh, all of us in some ways, uh, whether we're running a business or whether we're part of a church denomination, uh, just the overall Christian church in general. Uh, why is this relevant for us all to be talking about public ethical consistency, Andrew? Well, we have to go back to the eternal principles of Scripture, and uh, Psalm 68 verse 5 tells us that a father to the fatherless and a judge for the widows is God in his holy habitation. Now, that ought to cause us to reflect about business, money, ethics, how we deal with people. And it means we in the church have got some tasks to attend to. And it means it's very practical. It's very much orientated towards the needs of vulnerable people. Now, do we find references to fatherless people and widows elsewhere in Scripture? And what are the implications of this? Well, the answer is that we do. And Paul instructs us in Romans 15 verse 4 that that, uh, whatever was written in earlier times, and that's going back to Genesis, was written for our instruction. So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So we have to apply ourselves to study the subject and become proficient or knowledgeable about what the Bible says about people who are in need. And in any community at any given time, there are vulnerable people who need help. So we've got to figure this out and say, well, what do we do here? Well, I know a lot of listeners uh, in earlier conversations we've had to do with family, uh, they've been blown away by your insights. And uh, let's talk about Job here. Um, One of those books of the Old Testament, uh, all about the life of someone who was uh, faithful to God. Uh, What's the go here uh, as we focus on Job looking for these sorts of principles? Well, it's not clear Neil, when Job lived, but he may have been a contemporary of Abraham around 1900 BC. And those two patriarchs had much in common. They were both rich, godly men with huge investments in livestock, and they had dealings with lots of people. The Bible explains to us in Job chapter 1, verse 3, that he had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, 
and very many servants. And it, it tells us that he was one of the greatest men of all the East. So now what would you do with 7,000 sheep? Well, there are a fair few barbecues and 7,000 sheep. What do you do with 3,000 camels? I would imagine that Job was heavily involved in a fair bit of transportation of people and things. 500 yoke of oxen? You use oxen for ploughing a field. He might have had a contracting business. We don't know. Female donkeys? Well, you use donkeys to carry people and things. And for all of that, lots and lots of servants. It's quite possible that he had hundreds of people working for him. So we could say that Job, like Abraham, was a big local operator. Okay, a big local operator, and we might even, uh, for some listeners, putting ourselves in the picture here even, because uh, we're aware of this story of Job and uh, how he lost everything uh, and had uh, a few different friends and such things. Uh, What do these understandings from Job uh, reveal to us about uh, these issues around uh, consistency and integrity? Well, what we know about him, Neil, from from the book of Job, of course, is that his sufferings and fortitude in the great trials that God permitted him. Early on, Job struggled to make any sense of all the awful things he was facing, uh, and that was the loss of all of his ten children, uh, the loss of all his wealth. He couldn't understand why he was suffering while his three religious but useless friends didn't help him. They actually accused and hindered him. But then about three quarters of the way through the book of Job, he begins to reflect on what life had been like for him and specifically on his role in his local community. And so Job 29 and Job 31 are very revealing chapters about Job. And what they reveal if I can just go back in time a little bit, that some 400 years before God gave the law to Moses on Sinai, Job 29 and 31 show us Job clearly possessed the law of the Lord. And we shouldn't be surprised at this because after Abraham died, God told Isaac in Genesis 26.5 that Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So men knew God's law before its formal giving to Israel through Moses. Job 29 shows us that Job was respected in his community. He delivered the poor and needy. He was blessed in gratitude by the needy. He made the widow's heart to sing. He was a father to the needy and a private investigator, and a law enforcer. And his counsel was sought and valued. Furthermore, his employees never complained that they went without meat. He was a remarkably blessed and revered person locally, and he said that he sat as a chief and dwelt as a king amongst the troops. And Job 31 tells us that he fed the poor, he helped the widow, he shared his food with the orphan, who he was like a father to. He clothed the needy and he provided lodging for the alien and the stranger. So, So, 
Go on now. Challenging times uh, were ahead of him uh, in having lost uh, so much of his credibility, uh, having lost uh, his reputation because uh, somehow or other things just uh, went pear-shaped for Job. So what do we think of, uh, What? Do, how do we conclude uh, some ideas here about uh, God's workings with Job and uh, even drawing attention to issues around Qantas, uh, even the reputation of our church, which, you know, some will say uh, over previous years has has slipped. How do we draw some conclusions here? Well, what we know from Job is that his words were translated into deeds. And all these people that he referred to, poor, needy, orphans, fatherless, uh, aliens, people people in need of a place to stay tonight, all these people had something in common. They were vulnerable community members who needed, trusted and depended on him. And so we see that just thinking about our present day here in Australia, recent Qantas lessons, and I think they are lessons for us, uh, show us that an individual or an institution's public reputation in the community will be developed steadily, be it positive or negative. If it's to be positive, it will come about through local grassroots consistency forged from personal relationships that bear this out, leading to a proven and verified reputation. Words related to actions count. And this applies to us also in the church. We've got some reputation building to engage in. And Job's testimony of his life and functioned within his community really served to remind us and inspire us that true greatness has little to do with wealth or family or possessions. No, godly leadership requires biblical morality and ethics, along with a joy in serving others revealed by word and deed. This shows us that power really does flow to those who take responsibility. For the Bible explains to us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, and that the reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honour and life. And isn't that what we ought to be working towards? You know, biblical morality and ethics, and I know for some that sounds like you've got to think very hard, uh, or it's something that happens maybe for some who are debating all sorts of issues in an academic classroom or uh, around a board table. Uh, But these sorts of things, these are applicable to every single individual, and perhaps, uh, you know, there are some simple ways to look at those things. And yes, we hope that there are academics who are grappling with the, the hard work of biblical morality and ethics, but this is something that we all apply when we are believers and followers of Christ. Aren't, aren't we called to do that? Well, we are. And and that always comes back to the nuts and bolts of people and their challenges. We want to see families secure and strong and well-established. Sometimes there are folks uh, in church who need help. 
And we, we find that in the New Testament where, where we see in the early church there were a bunch of widows in Acts chapter 6 where they were saying, hey, guys, we need some help here. We need some help with food. Uh, at least that's the implication of that passage in Acts chapter 6. And what, what did the early church do? They, they responded to that problem very quickly and dealt with that crisis for those people. So there are lots of other texts in the New Testament as well as the Old about those needy people. And it applies to Qantas, it applies to the church, it applies to Christians who are in business, it applies to Christians in their family environment, that our words uh, need to be accompanied by actions and uh, these things need to line up and integrity is something that comes, uh, one, of the, one of the byproducts of having integrity is that your reputation rises. So if your reputation is in tatters, we've got to reapply a few ethics there. Andrew McColl is Family Voice Australia State Director for the State of Queensland. Let me point listeners to the Family Voice Australia website, familyvoice.org.au. You'll be able to connect with Andrew McColl there. Andrew's written a whole bunch of books. Uh, They shall become one. The Significance of the Godly Family, Inherit the Earth, and The Great Christian Revolution. Andrew McColl, thank you so much for taking some time to share these thoughts with us on 2020 Today. Thank you, Neil. God bless. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.